You are listening to a teaching series from Jubilee Church entitled Tested. This series explores the book of 1 Peter to learn how we can respond when our faith is tested. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. I don't know about you, but when I read that, um, Honor the Emperor, I was like, are you serious? Is that what, is that what we're supposed to do, Peter? Um, you've been writing us some pretty cool stuff and encouraging things and this guy who, who's persecuting Christians the way he's persecuting Christians, uh, the guy who's going to, um, crucify me, Peter says, upside down, the guy who'll behead Paul, you, you want me to, you want us to honor this guy? Some of you had a difficult time honoring this guy. Some of you are having a difficult time honoring the current president. Some of you will have an even more difficult time honoring if she gets elected or if he gets elected. Honor the office. Honor the man or the woman in the office. But their policies are terrible. Yeah, but God says to honor them. But they're ruining our country, but God says to honor them. But, but they live ungodly lives and are wicked, but yeah, but God says to honor them. Honor the emperor as supreme, which is, means supreme means the best. Honor them. Honor. Doesn't mean that we, um, agree with the emperor or the president or doesn't mean that we agree with everything that they are about. In fact, uh, perhaps disagree. I mean, Peter uh, disagreed, I'm sure, with what Nero was doing. I know we know Paul objected to uh, Nero. Jesus objected to corruption and a lack of justice. In fact, as a Christian, no matter who's in office, uh, if you believe the gospel, you will fight against a lot of the fo- policies uh, that are put into place. It doesn't mean that you don't do that. But it does mean that you honor the office. In God's wisdom, you honor the emperor. You honor the president. You honor those who are elected. Which at a baseline means you like don't malign them at the water cooler at work. It means you don't malign them on Facebook. Um, it doesn't represent Christ. It, it it probably means you stop watch. Well, it yeah probably means you stop watching your favorite political show. I don't know of any political show that honors elected officials. They dishonor elected officials. If that pulls you in to dishonoring people. Um, 
If you want to honor Christ, you'd honor these men and these women. Peter says that we are to honor them, but but not just honor them, but to be subject to their laws. Hmm. To be subject to the laws. We don't cheat on our taxes. We don't. We we obey the um, building codes and curfews. And yes, the speed limit. I don't like it either. I'm just just preaching the Bible. It's what happens when you preach the Bible verse by verse. You inevitably come across something that you'd rather not address. The only by, the only clause in the Bible that says that we do not follow the law of the land are the laws that are in direct contradiction to what God would tell us to do. So in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John were before the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin says, hey, we don't want you preaching about Jesus. And how many know that, that uh, to, for to someone to tell you not to preach against Jesus, that's uh, disobeying him? That would be yes. And um, so they say, hey, are we supposed to honor man or God? And so if, if there's a law that tells you to, to disobey God, and, and you, you can check me on this, but I don't know in America if there's anything that tells you you have to do something that God tells you. Not to do. Most laws, anyway, I would say, are not a violation of what God tells you to do. Peter says that we must honor the emperor. We must honor, be subject to, it means obey, come underneath every human institution. Now, that's kind of the conclusion of the message. Let me just kind of take a step back for a second. And I'm going to take you through the process I went through. When I read this, maybe a couple months before we even went through this series. Going through the series, I'm reading through Peter, looking for the passages I don't want to preach. And this one came to my attention. I mean, if, back then when I was reading through it, I thought the political environment is kind of sketchy. It's kind of divisive. It's kind of, um, I mean, the, I can't, I don't know if there's a time in recent history where it's been more difficult for everyone to get behind and honor those and off worse now. How? My, my, my question, maybe you're, why? Why? Why would I do that? Why is this a good idea? Um, a little context helps. First of all, let me tell you kind of the background of where Peter's coming from and heading. He's writing to a group of believers who are experiencing trials and difficulty in their life and they thought for no reason. And Peter comes in and says, no, it's absolutely for a reason. God's not making you small. He's making you great. In fact, he's, he's building in you and trying to gather you together to be the new community, a new society, a society that no one's ever seen before. You're going to be exiles, strangers, aliens. And when you were, you were born into this world, but you were reborn into uh, the kingdom of God. And what that means is when you became a Christian, you ceased to primarily be an American. If you're an American. And you primarily became a Christian. Which means automatically you assimilate into the values and the commands and the laws of that citizenship. But God doesn't just take it. Do you notice that? God didn't take us out of the world. Do you notice that? 
Like we, we stayed in the world. He didn't take us out of the world, but we're, we're not of the world, but we're in the world. He injected us back into this community to be totally different from everybody else. A new society. We represent, there's not a grouping in the world that fits the grouping of Christian. It's no political party. There's no subgroup of our world that Christian, it's a new, it's a new, in fact, historians would look at Christians and how they act, act in like, man, it's like a new genus, new species. But yet we're amongst. He says, I'm doing something in you guys. You're meant to engage in the world. And now Peter is going to flesh out from 1 Peter 2.13 for the rest of the letter. He's going to flesh out what it looks like to be this new community that has totally different values yet is living for the good of that society. And he starts with this phrase that's not our favorite. But I'm telling you, it is a key to not only being this kind of community, but it's it's key to living um, in a life of freedom. I'll put it that way. And it's this phrase, verse, go ahead and look at it with me. Verse 13. Be subject. Be subject. That phrase, uh, the Greek word is um, hupotasso, which is also translated to our favorite word, submission. To submit. Um. It's a military word that means to place yourself under, to rank under, to subordinate yourself to someone else, to yield to one's admonition or advice. And Jesus, or excuse me, Peter is telling us, as does Jesus in all the New Testament, that as believers, one of the words that's meant to characterize our life, you ready for it, is yielded. What's to characterize your life is yielded. Or I'll go ahead and scratch my fingernails on the chalkboard. Submitted. We don't walk around claiming, much less demanding our rights. But rather we lay them down. Because of the wrath of God laid upon Jesus on the cross for our sins, certainly by now as believers, we've learned not to be so bold about what we think we deserve and what we don't deserve. Because if you're a Christian here, this, no, I realize not everybody is, but if you're a Christian, like an entry level belief is, I don't get what I deserve. Amen for that. If you are a Christian, you fundamentally believe that you do not deserve far better, but you deserve far worse. You fundamentally believe that. If that, if you don't believe that, you're probably not a Christian. When you entered into, when you became aware of the sacrifice of cross, the, the, the death of Jesus uh, in your place for your sin, you became aware of this reality that you deserve the judgment that Jesus got and in replace, you get the life that he deserved. And so we, we, we don't actually believe that we des- we don't, that's not... That's not how we operate. It's not how we act. Ephesians uh, 5.21 says that we, and it it's repeats what is actually said in this passage, that we, we submit to other people. We submit to one another for Christ's sake, out of reverence for Christ. This isn't something that's done to us, right? But it's something that we, we give, that we, 
we lay down. Because of the love of Jesus, because we revere Jesus, because we want to be like Jesus. Philippians 2.3 says that, Paul says to count others as more significant than ourselves. Not why, because they are, no. But count them that way. Place yourself under other people. They're higher, I'm lower. They are to be served, I am the one who serves. And then he says, for this is the mind of Christ, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, held upon. But he emptied himself. You know, we say things like, she's full of herself. Christ emptied himself and became nothing. Thank God he did that. And because he became nothing. See, here's one of the things that we, you and I think, we're like, oh my gosh, there's no way I could... Bring myself under other people. If, if, I, if I say that they're higher and I'm lower, they're to be served and I'm to serve, oh my gosh, what does that do to my value? Jesus lowered himself more than anyone. And what he got out of that is the name that's above all names. You see, one of the th- this is how twisted our culture is. The, your value is derived in creation as image bearers of God. And then if you are twice his as you're you know you've given your life to Jesus that you've been purchased with no less than the blood of Jesus. There is no discrepancy in the value over your life. It's whatever you would whatever value you would put on the blood of Jesus. By placing yourself under someone else is not, is not a diminishing of your value. It's like taking a penny from Bill Gates and thinking somehow you've diminished his wealth. We, we, we have a difficult time with this. It's why even like that word empty ourselves. I think it's appropriate because every time we, when, when I think of that word, okay, I'm going to submit myself. I'm going to, I'm going to put myself under. Man, I, I do feel that way. I feel like, oh, I'm just letting go of everything that I am. And, 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 and there's some truth to that. I, I was, went to the DMV last weekend or last week, I should say. And, um, it's like going to a third world country. And, uh, we, uh, you know, but at least I got to watch reruns of the Jerry Springer show. And so that's the upside. And so, um, now they, you know, they, they say like you can go online and do this. Have you, have you bought every time? I don't know about you guys, but every time I try to do that, they say, I punch in my code, my pin number, all that. And they say, you can't do this. You got to go in. They don't tell me why they say you can't do it. So they don't give me no recourse. There's no one to call. There's nothing, nothing to prove. Just arbitrarily, you have to wait in line. So I go to the DMV. I'm like, you know, number 84, you know. And uh, I, I, before I go there, I get, I get the elders. I, I have them anoint me in oil to help me endure, <laughs> to help me endure this hardship. And so, but I remember, I just sitting there and the, just felt the spirit of God say, hey, preacher boy, um, it's how God talks to me. And so we... Here's an opportunity to place yourself under these people. No, 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 no. Not them, not now. Place yourself under. 
I mean, I want, I mean, my instinct is like, I want to go back there and train them. I want to go back there and help them. I want to find a self-service option. I want to just do anything but be there. To place myself under. Taking a number. Going through all the stuff you have to go through. I just, it felt like I was emptying myself. I mean, it's almost like, it's almost like when Jesus says to follow you, it's like you have to like, you like die or something. It's like, he, he tells you to, if you want to follow me, like you pick up your cross and die. Be subject to the emperor. Be subject to every ins- human institution. And so what's to characterize the life of the believer, if you're, if you're a believer here, what's to characterize our life is yielded, submitted, people who place themselves under other people. And then he spends the rest of the chat, the rest of this letter addressing some very specific people that we have a very difficult time putting ourselves under. Our parents, our husbands, church leadership, our bosses, the government. It's worse to submit everyone's to submit to everyone. So don't overhear these examples. He just, he takes the time to double click on them for a little bit because we have a difficult time with these specific examples. So he says, honor the emperor. Now he knows this is like hard for us. Like this is, this is like, oh my God, like what are you talking about? So he gives us two really helpful reasons to say, okay, why in the world would I do that again? It's for the Lord's sake. Do you see, do you see that? Be subject for the Lord's sake. It doesn't, don't be subject to those that you feel like you're less than. Oh, you know, because, you know, the typical, I don't know about, I'm not a woman, so I don't know what it's like to be a woman, but as a guy, I walk into a room and you kind of shoulder up and think, okay, who's the leader and who's not the leader in this room? I'll come under that person because they're leading, but they're not leading, you know, they, that's not what it says. Doesn't say be subject to the ones who have less educate or more education than you. Be subject to the ones that you that can beat you up. <laughs> Although you should do that for sure. And um, it says be subject for the Lord's sake. We do this for the Lord. It's for his, it's, it's he's the reason why that we do this. Paul says in Galatians two nineteen through the law I died to the law that I might live to God. Even the Bible, the Bible primarily isn't about how you and, all, you and I can get on in this life and how we engage with the world. Even when it talks about how we engage with the world, it's really coming down to how we live for God. This is a passage about how we live for God. This isn't a passage about the president. This isn't a pa- when we talk about, you know, family relationships and, and, and work relationships and church relationships. And it's not about that. Primarily, it's, it's about how we live for God. To help you understand this, this helps me. I, 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 I'm thinking about this time when, when the Pharisees were trying to trick Jesus. One of the many times they were trying to trick Jesus and it, it never worked out. They always ended up like Charlie Brown on their backside. And so they, we, they come to him and say, hey, do you pay taxes? He says, Jesus, do you pay taxes? And Jesus is like, okay, give me a coin. Whose face is on that? Whose name is that? They say Caesar. 
And then he says, render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Dot, dot, dot. Render to God what belongs to God. What belongs to God? What's the word that we use to describe what belongs to God? What's that word called? Everything. Yeah, all's fine too. Everything. Everything belongs to God. So, so follow me here. If we render everything to God that belongs to God, what else is there to render to anybody else? What, what else is there? What's, what's everything minus everything? Nothing. Nothing. Except for what God tells you to render. Why would I subject myself to the emperor? For the Lord's sake. Here's another way of looking at it. Let me kind of help bring this home. Anything that you withhold from another person that God tells you to not withhold, honor in this passage, service, serve each other, love each other, forgive each other, any time that you withhold that, any time you don't render to someone else what God tells you to render, you are making a statement contrary. You're making a statement that God actually doesn't have everything. That actually there, there are some things that are intrinsically mine. The, the life that I have, the love that I have, the forgiveness that I have, the time that I have, the energy of, that I have, that's mine. Otherwise, point blank, render, render to God what belongs to God. Everything. And when, when Jesus says render to other people what he says to render to them, when we withhold that, we're withholding from God. And we're saying something about what God, who God has responsibility for and control of and ownership of. It's a big deal. So we, we, we subject, first of all, for the Lord's sake. Now, that's huge. It's huge. You know, Paul says that we've been bought with a price. I mean, thank God for that. But our life is not our own. Which means that your right to free speech isn't your right to free speech. Did you know that? Do you believe that? It's God's right. Your right to vote is not your right to vote. It's God's right. Well, I'm an American. Not anymore. Not primarily. It's his. It's his. So how do we... Well, Peter, how do we live in this new society? That, I'm, tr- I'm trying to tell you. Be subject to the emperor. Because... Of the Lord's sake. And what, what, here's how this helps me. I hope it helps you. Which means every time I do something I don't like to do. Why is the speed limit? Da, 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 da. Why is this rule? Da, 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 da. Why is these taxes? Da, 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 da. Instead, of, instead of going down that road. I can, I can obey it. Not because I think I should pay these taxes. Not because I should drive the speed limit. Because I'm worshiping Jesus. I'm doing this for the Lord's sake. I'm not doing this for their emperor. I'm doing this for the Lord's sake. I'm not doing it for this government official. I'm doing this for the Lord's sake. I'm not doing this for my, you know, 
crazy work person. I'm doing this for the Lord's sake. And I don't have to be controlled by my environment. I don't have to be controlled by my government. I don't have to be controlled by the people around me. I can do them despite them for the Lord's sake. Now, we could end right there. That should be enough, shouldn't it? For the Lord's sake. But Peter gives us another, I think, really helpful reason. Uh, For that, skim down to verse 16. Live as free people who are free. Okay, we're free. Do you know that? Galatians 5, 1 says, For freedom Christ has set you free. So we can do whatever we want, right? Oh, wait a minute. Don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. What could that look like? Galatians 5 fills that out if you want to read that later. Verse 13 it says, Yeah, for freedom Christ has set you free, but don't use your freedom for an opportunity for the flesh. What that means is don't make your freedom about you. That's that Making it about you is how you got into this whole sin problem in the first place. You know, our, our hearts are just hopelessly curved in on itself. We just have this thing to make it all about. He says, don't, don't do that. But he says, in this passage, he says, um, but living as servants of God. In the Galatians passage, Paul says, serve one another. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but use your freedom to become a servant. Well, that's a huge paradox. How, how, do we li- how is living as free people and, and living as servants of God? How do, how, he's saying the same thing. He's saying living free is li- living as a servant of God. Now, that is a massive paradox, especially in our culture, because of our definition of freedom. The American definition of freedom is a freedom from all restrictions. It's, it's purely a freedom from, which means that um, it's a freedom from promises. It's a freedom from commitment. It's a freedom from any kind of restriction. So to the degree that I have to obey, to the degree that I have to keep a promise, to the degree I have to keep a commitment, that is the degree that I am not free. But to understand the Bible's perspective that... that uh, the relationship between freedom and submission, if you don't understand the relationship between freedom and submission, you'll absolutely flounder as a Christian and you'll live in constant frustration and confusion. Um, and so you have to get past your filter. You know you have, you have filters, right? You know what those are? How you interpret everything. I mean, as a, if you're married, as a... As a husband, I, I find that I have filters all the time. I was raised in a very, um, we had, there were six of us and money was super tight growing up. And, uh, my parents were amazing stewards. And I remember just my, my mom, like, uh, like we could, like to wait, you shouldn't waste a paper towel. Shouldn't waste anything. Just you, you, you made use of everything. It's amazing stewardship. My wife, she also grew up in a poor home, but she would, it was the opposite. So for us, for, in my, the way I was raised is the way that love was communicated as you, you steward and you, and you made use of everything. For her, it was totally opposite. It was, and so when we got into, for, for the longest time, if, if, if she went out and, if she went out and spent something, which is how she was raised, like I would, I would communicate that as like, she's not loving me. Because I was raised that you, if you love other people, you would conserve these things. 
Now, don't look at me like you're judging me, by the way. And so, um, we all have these filters. And if you don't process through your filters, you'll never make sense of life and relationships. And let me just say, in America, you have a huge filter when it comes to what you, your independence and how you view that. And we view, we view this as, uh, we, we, we think that freedom is mutually excuse, exclusive from obedience and from commitment. The Christian paradox, though, is that as we live as free people through submitting. We live as free people through submitting. And so the reason why we don't think, because we think we have to keep our options open. Freedom is keeping your options open. Um, if, if anything that cuts off my options means I'm not free. So it's, it's freedom from all those kinds of restrictions. But the Bible makes an, an assumption that if we, do, if we fail to realize, um, we'll make a mess of this. And that is the Bible assumes that you have to serve someone. Okay? It could be the devil. It could be the Lord. But you've got to serve somebody. Bob Dylan. And um, too, too young. You guys are too young. And so we... Uh, but you have to... Everybody... This is, this is like... Everybody knows this. You're, everybody has to live for something. You get one thing to live for. You don't get multiple. You get, everybody's living for something. And whatever you're living for, you're sacrificing for. Whatever you're living for, you're sac- sacrificing for. And it is a controlling spiritual authority in your life. It's driving you. It's controlling you. It's enslaving you. I was reading this article, um, I think it was a few weeks ago, about why abused women stay in abusive relationships. And it was just hard to read, to be honest with you. And one woman... Um, pointed this. She said, "The reason why I stay is because because of how much this how much this person's this guy's affection meant to her her, her, her approval." She says, she says, "I can't breathe unless he's approving of me. The love of that man is everything to me." In fact, the, the, the writer went on to explain that that actually part of the abuse of 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 men in this situation is they threaten the woman that they're going to leave them. Which is like, well, that should be good news. Right? He's leaving you. Isn't that great? Not to her. What keeps her in this relationship is she can't breathe unless he's approving of me. Now, we might be tempted to think, now, why in the world would that woman give that man such control over her? Why would she do that? Why would, why would, what, why would she allow him to abuse her like that? I've been a pastor for 11 years, and I would say the average person in St. Louis has that kind of relationship with their job, or with the education they're trying to get, or with a hobby, or with the accolades of their children. The abuse that they take to succeed in their career is mind-boggling. The abuse that you may be taking to get an education. You're, you gotta have it. You gotta have this job. You gotta have this relationship. You gotta have this money. You've gotta do well in this area. Your kids gotta go to that school. It's got you. And you'll do anything to get it. Everybody is sacrificing for something. Talk about restrictions. I mean, I, I hear guys sometimes like, hey, you know, like I'm not, you know, I don't, I want to keep myself from 
a committed relationship because I want to keep, you know, I want to keep my options open. So as, as soon as it gets, like, there's this, as soon as, like, there's too much emotional attachment, they pull back. And I heard one guy say, well, you know, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to go there. I want to, I want to keep my options open. But what they don't understand is, like, you are restricting yourself from the joy and the love and intimacy of that kind of relationship. Whatever it is that you really want, it could be your own independence. You are sacrificing for that. Could be the desire to be right. It could be anything. You are being, you are, you are restricting yourself. So, what is freedom then? If free, if if it's true that we all serve something, we all sacrifice for something, we all restrict ourselves. Well, the key is to find the restrictions that are liberating. And that's what it means to follow Jesus. So like if you would take the example of a, of a fish, a fish, a fish, a fish's environment is water. Um, a fish doesn't, can't live outside of water. It's restricted to the water. If a fish though one day says, you know what, I, I hate all these restrictions. I want, I want, I want the freedom of doing wherever I want and going wherever I want. So I'm going to flop onto the side of this bank and I'm going to walk, except they don't have legs, they have gills. And so, what does a fish do outside of what? Well, they flop around. Flopping, gasping, dying. Pick that same fish up, throw him back in the water. You know, it takes a little second. And then, pff, off like lightning. That fish reaches its potential and can only reach its potential under the restriction of water. You and I, are made in the image of God. He's our designer. He knows our purpose. We can only reach our potential and thrive in the freedom that we're meant to have under his restrictive purpose, which is to serve him. By serving him, by saying, I won't, I won't do this and I won't do that, I will come under this and living for him, living for the purpose for which we for that's where you find true freedom outside of that outside of that you're just like a fish on the side of the water flipping flopping gasping dying um, let me end with this statement Peter says first Peter 2 4 he says God's building a spiritual house with spiritual stones with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. And Peter's clear that many, Jesus is the stone of stumbling and the rock of offense. It says that. Jesus is the stone of stumbling and the rock of offense. Now why would Jesus be the stone of stumbling and the rock of offense? Because of everything we just talked about. Submit to what? Submit to who? Come under What? That's absurd. That's offensive. That's a stumbling block. I can't get over it. Many, many, most won't get over it. But then he says, but you, and I hope he's speaking to you. I hope you're part of the second group. But you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You, check this out, are a people of God's own possession. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 
And, and you, God, have not taken you out of the world, but he's left you into the world, okay, to do what? Well, he says it right here. He says, to abstain from the passions of the flesh that wage war against your soul. What are the passions of the flesh that wage war against your soul? Well, one of the passions of your flesh is desire to be your own person. That battle in your heart you've been contending with the whole time I've been speaking. As soon as I said the word submit, that whole battle. Your battle is not with the emperor. Your battle is not with your boss. Your battle is not with whoever you're mad at. Your battle is your own passions and flesh and desire in your heart. Everybody else in the world gives in to those passions and desires. And they're just like everyone else. So how do we be this new community, this new society, this new people that's like totally different? Well, you abstain from those passions. Desire to be, you know, to be, desire for anything but God, to be your own boss, to just to live and to wallow in your own self, but to live honorably amongst the Gentiles. How? By living a yielded life. By living a yielded life. To be sub- by being subject to every human institution. For doing this by the will, this is the will of God, but by doing this you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. You know there's a lot of people who believe a lot of crazy things about Christians. You know why they believe those crazy things about Christians? Because they watch Christians. D.L. Moody said that out of a hundred people, one will read their Bible and 99 will watch Christians. We'll read, the, read Christians. How do you put to silence the ignorance of foolish people? Well, you live like Jesus tells you to live. Live is free. How do I do that? Live as a servant. Honor everyone. Everyone? Yeah, everyone. Love the brotherhood. You should have a unique and special love for your brothers and sisters. Fear God. He's the only one that we fear. We don't cower. We don't, we're not subject to other people because we're afraid of them. The only one that we fear is God. And just in case I wasn't clear, Peter says, honor the emperor. Honor. 